What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Briel. And on today's episode, I'm talking with Donna and Amanda, the mother-daughter duo of Seaside Family Medicine, located in Somerville. Seaside Family Medicine opened in 2018, really from an idea between Amanda and Donna on one of their classic mimosa Sundays. And it really came from the drive to create a family medicine practice that was 100% about the patient. From the waiting room, the online interface, the colors on the wall, to the team and the culture and the clinical side of things, they really wanted to elevate the standard of healthcare and work in a practice that was all centered around relationships with patients. I loved talking with these two ladies. We talked about what makes their practice different, what it's like to work with your mom or daughter, and how they care for their patients. They are currently accepting new patients. You can either call or schedule online. The website is in the show notes. Otherwise, thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today, I'm talking with the two fabulous ladies of Seaside Family Medicine, Donna and Amanda, who are actually mother and daughter. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yes. Very excited to learn about you two and your practice. So y'all are the two owners of Seaside Family Medicine. You're located in Somerville off of College Park Road. And can you tell me more about your practice? Sure. We're a uh, family medicine. Uh, We see uh, newborns through geriatrics. Uh, We're practice comprised of nurse practitioners. So we were one of the first nurse practitioner based practices here in South Carolina. Um, so we have a supervising physician that oversees all the care that the nurse practitioners give, and he does some chart review, and he's there available for us 24-7 for any questions. that. The- and, um, yeah, so we've been, you know, growing steadily since we opened in 2018. Uh, we have a lot of new families moving to the area, and we, we tend to see one patient and the next thing we know we have the brother the sister the aunt the, and everybody coming in the neighbors so we've really grown through word of mouth which which we're very proud about 
um, one of the things that really surprised me is like with our providers um, being nurses, how really hands on they are with the patients, they go beyond the symptoms, they go, you know, into the family, you know, what, what's your family life like, what are your stressors, and they really know a lot about their patients. And so they can really determine like areas that they may need help in. They very, very good listeners and very um, considerate, well, not compassionate yeah. with their patients. And all of our providers, myself included, we try to be very relaxed and easygoing and approachable. There's no pomp or circumstance with us. We're like, I think we're relatable. Mm-hmm. I have everyone wearing scrubs because no one wants to come in and have the doctor in some fancy outfit and you're in your uh, sweatpants because you have a fever that day and no makeup. Yeah. Um, so we're just all very approachable, chill, normal people. Um, and we try to give the best care we can. And I think because we're so approachable, patients are more likely to tell us things that they probably haven't told other providers because of the non-judgmental way we approach things. Yeah. And with that being said, one of the things that we did do when we did the build out of the practice is we took into consideration um, hours of um, availability to medical care. Because when Amanda worked in in Orangeburg at a family medical center, they had extended evening hours, weekend hours, and really healthcare was accessible. One of the things that really surprised us when we moved down from Boston was that hey, my physician's not work, doesn't work on Fridays, or I can't see anybody after work, I have to take a day off. And so we, um, we set our business hours around what the community needed, not what was best for us in our schedules. And we also took into consideration how they how the patient feels when they go into a medical practice, like Amanda was saying, we didn't want that stuffy lab jacket on everybody and everybody walking around with a stethoscope hanging off their necks. So we we took we took the approach like when we did the design of almost like taking soft colors, soft, you know, um, easy spoke, you know, not a loud environment, quiet waiting room. We only have one if two patients in the waiting room at, at a time. We're very respectful of the patient's um, time as well as our provider's time. So we run very timely. Um, We also, in our build out, took into consideration like the the clinical look of an exam room. So we used um, a lot of, you know, home grade um, vanities and things like that that are functionable yet not. They don't scream hey, you're at the doctor's office. Yeah, so mom was very insistent on having it not look like a doctor's office. So I come from medicine. I'm used to everything looking like a hospital, smelling like a hospital. Um, But she really wanted to take it from the patient perspective, having been a patient herself Mm -hmm. many a time. Um, So that's why we ended up having very tranquil colored walls. In fact, the same color that you see behind us. I know this is a podcast, so they can't see (laughs) But there is a color called Donna Green. That's not its actual color. Yeah, that's the rename. That's the rename. And that is the color that's across her house and the entire practice. Yeah. Uh, We also didn't want the exam rooms to look super clinical. So instead of having um, counters, we bought these pretty vanities Mm -hmm. with nice um what is what draws kind of is uh, it's like it has a uh, faux marble pump countertop you know durable we can still use um 
um, insecticides on it. Yeah, functional, but better looking. Even yeah. like the waiting room doesn't feel like a normal doctor's office. Yeah. We just tried to make it nice and calm when you come in. Yeah. One of the things we did in the waiting room was, you know, as because the, we have, we're not backed by a major hospital. So basically we built this um, business with our own monies. So we're very frugal on what we do because we have to be very careful, you know, with the budget. The last thing we want to do is come up short on a payroll or anything like that. So when we were looking for um, furniture for the waiting room, anything that you put medical in front of, like medical chair, medical office, the price is like 500% higher than an, an average chair. So we found, we were on Facebook one day and we saw our um, church pews for sale. And so we went up and we bought about six church pews and we had the contractor fuse them together for our waiting room. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. So that's, you sold yeah, me. yeah. I want to be yeah. a patient now. This sounds yeah. <laughs> so they're so functional too. And, you know. Um, and then from an infection control standpoint, yeah. when the pandemic happened, having those cloth seats, the bacteria can just sit in the cloth, like with the yeah. um, wooden benches, they're easy to wipe down. Yeah. Hmm. There's no hidden stains or anything yeah. like that. So from an infection control standpoint, it was great. Yeah. It sounds like every decision that y'all made was really from the patient's perspective was right. How can we provide the best patient experience, the best mm-hmm. patient care. And really like, I think that's what set, sets y'all apart from just your you know, regular doctor's office. It's right. like that was your goal too. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. Was. It was very intentional. Everything that we've done has been very intentional and, and thought through. Like we, we have a, of course, mother daughter relationship. We bounce things off each other. We argue about them and then we make a final decision, but um, everything that we, we do is, you know, together and with the best interest of the patient in mind. So mother daughter, you opened in 2018. What led y'all and to have this idea? So when Amanda was in um, nursing school um, to get her nurse nurse practitioner uh, degree, we always joked, "Oh yeah, you someday you'll you'll have your you know someday maybe you'll have your own practice and I'll come and run it for you." I was working in um, on a a subcontract for um, Medicare we, for one of the AB maps. So I knew that we were on it. The contracts bid out for like four years. And so as I was getting a little older and the um, contract was you set know, to lot, not be renewed. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I always had to, I said to myself, you have to have plan B in place in case they don't get a contract and you're suddenly unemployed and you know in your late 50s unemployed is not good you know so um so I had plan b I just kept tucking as much money away as I could and then when Amanda got her doctorate degree she um it wasn't being recognized she says hey you want to uh you want to pull the trigger and open up a medical practice. I think I just sprung it on her like one day yeah. when we were over here. Um, maybe like, had a mimosa and was just yeah. like, hey, <laughs> yeah. what do you think about this? And <laughs> she took me seriously. So yeah. then, then the planning began. Um, yeah. So this was like in 2017. So uh, a lot of our decisions, you'll know, you'll hear were, are made over mimosa Sundays. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Everything. A little do you have a mimosa right now? 
No, 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 no that would have been perfect. I mean, no mimosa I today. It's a little that. early in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> I thought of it, but I didn't pull the trigger on that one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's how it it all came about. And for that, for for the year 2017, of course, I still had my full time job. Amanda had her full time job. We would meet once or twice a, um, a week and discuss, you know, policies and procedures. Amanda did all the clinical policies. Um, you know, we just really worked on the design of the office as far as patient flow through in and out of the office, you know, phone systems. We had to come up with everything, liability insurance, business insurance. Um, yeah, you don't realize you know, all the things that go into it. Yeah. Every single thing we had a hand in from our logo to our website <laughs> to what EMR are we going to use? I mean, I remember sitting at this table that we're at now for hours on end in EMR demos. Yeah. Exhausting EMR demos. Yeah. Um, but being able to craft it from the beginning really I think helped make it yeah. be what it is today and yeah. having a hand in every decision and how things run and actually working through all of it makes it easier to run because we can relate to the staff when mm-hmm. there's any issues and yeah. Well, yeah. And even to this day, like we make a lot of business decisions on the run <laughs> because we don't have a lot of time. So the both of us are really good at bouncing things off each other, discussing the pros and cons and coming up with a solution that benefits the patient and it doesn't impact any processes within the practice. So, so we're that in that way, a mother daughter team works well. You know, I know they always say, don't ever go into business with your relative. Well, here we are. (laughs) That was my next question. What has that been like owning a business with your mom, owning a business with your daughter? Well, I think it's been good. I mean, you spend what 90% of your adult life at work. So to be able to spend time at work with your family is like the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. So having your coworkers be your family, whether it be related blood family or feel like family is really important. Um, I made a joke one time that about my coworkers and one of my friends goes, isn't your coworker your mom? <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. Because <laughs> he said, do you have friends at work? I'm like, yeah, my coworkers are my friends. And one of them shines in, isn't your mom your coworker? Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Nice. And from a business perspective, like we already knew who had strengths and weaknesses of each other. So um, we, there's times Amanda will say, oh, you can't do that. You're terrible at keeping the calendar. I'm doing all the... Um, I got joined the scheduling for the meetings and the, you know, the drug rep presentations because you always forget or something. And you so. have to do customer service. Yes, I have, I have to a do short temper. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and I do and better. I do this personally. Yeah, I do better at customer service. So, like, there's a lot of times that I I have to deal with, you know, a patient who wasn't happy or something that went wrong in the office and Amanda will be furious and then I'll have to put her fire out as well. (laughs) And, you know, go sit in your office. I got this, you know, or I'll hear her call. She calls me Donna at work. And when I write here, mom, I'm like, I'll go problem coming up here. (laughs) She needs something. She wants something. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, mother, daughter, working relationship for us anyways has has really worked out well. 
Well, and you know each other really well, you care about each other a lot, and you can be really honest and transparent. There's no weird coworker relationship where you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah. Right. You can just say what you need and, and mm-hmm. be, you know, radically honest to to produce the best product to, to provide the right. best service. Yeah. Right. And we do that often. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are some of the main problems that people are coming to you for? Like, what are people struggling with these days that you see very commonly? Um, there's a lot of mental health issues. Uh, a lot of people with depression and anxiety. So most people come to us to establish care for their routine care, checkups, vaccines, sick visits. Um, at every new patient visit, we screen for depression and anxiety because If you don't ask the patient, you're never going to know how their mental health is. Uh, We use a paper screener. I don't think asking a patient, how are you feeling? Especially someone you're just meeting, they might not be transparent with you. So we give them a paper screener and we review that at their new patient visit. And certainly if we see anything alarming on there, we try to broach the conversation. And like I said, given how laid back we are in the relaxing environment, we find a lot of patients being open and honest male patients saying how they've never spoken to anyone about these things, but something about us just makes it approachable. So we do have a lot of mental health. Yes, we're looking for it, but we all should be looking for it as healthcare providers. Mental health is just as important as physical health. So we have a lot of patients having treatment for depression and anxiety and those kind of disorders and conditions. Yeah. And, you know, we, at one point in time, we were treating them in house. We had a um, behavioral health specialist um, who worked, um, you know, one day a week for us and we would refer our patients to her. And then uh, she was just expanding her hours into the evening hours when COVID hit. And then she, um, she ended up going back home. She lived in Maryland. She moved back home with her parents. Um, So we lost our, our counselor at that point in time. So after that, we were referring out, you know, to counselors that we had vetted. We do a lot of vetting of, of specialists because when we refer our patients, we want to make sure that they're going to a, a, a physician or a specialist who is like-minded with us, who really takes the, the person into consideration as well as the physical needs. So we have really filled almost all the behavioral health counselors and psychiatrists in our general area. So when they, we, you know, we, when we meet them, they're like, oh, yeah, we could get your patients in next day. And then, you know, OK, we can't take any more of your patients. So yeah. it, it's been a struggle in that area because it's just those professionals aren't available. They're in such need right now that it's it's probably it's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad that when your counselor was starting to expand her hours, COVID hit because that's when people yeah. need it the most. I yeah. know. And I know. so our hours were part time. And of course, like that is a field that emotionally drains you. You come out of work that day and you're physically and mentally exhausted. So how many um, counselors actually want to go and pick up five, 10 hours at mm-hmm. another office? It's just it's just too taxing on them. So and then when telehealth came about, 
all of the apps for counseling, the we were unable to find a new counselor because those ones don't bill insurance and charge customers so much money so they can pay the counselor more. So we were outpriced in the market trying to find a counselor because they're in such high demand. Yeah. So we're going to continue to refer out for mm-hmm. now, but our providers still will make the diagnosis of anxiety and depression. And if the patient also wants medical management, we'll try first and second line treatments instead of sending them off to a psychiatrist to wait six months to be put on a first line treatment that any of us were all trained in mm-hmm. doing. So can you tell me more about your staff and the providers on your team? Yeah, so there's me. I am a pediatric nurse practitioner and I see all of the pediatric patients. And then we have Catherine Crosby. She goes by Katie. She is a family nurse practitioner. She works full time at our office. And our final nurse practitioner is Marceline Renew. Um, She is a nurse practitioner as well as a professor at MUSC. And she's with us one to two days a week. Yeah. And she has her doctorate degree. Yeah, she has a doctorate degree as well. So is it it's all women? All women, yes. Not by not by choice. (laughs) We're not we're not discriminating. I know, I know. Does happen to be all women. I think it, you know, that (laughs) field of the of a nurse practitioner is comprised primarily of females. Mm -hmm. So it's uh you're almost looking for a needle in a haystack for a male. Um yeah, so we, we continue to look because we do have a lot of patients, a lot of men that come in and they be like, is this just a woman's office? You know, just because you lady doctors, doctors. <laughs> you lady doctors. And I told one of them, I said, hey, if you want to bring in your Harley Davidson poster, I'll be happy to post it up in your exam room when you go in. <laughs> they said the waiting room and the exam rooms were too girly. Yeah. They're not pink. But anything. they still they still come back because yeah. it's not about the decor. It's about the, the quality of care. Yeah. Well, and I bet if you had Harley Davidson posters on the wall, they wouldn't, they wouldn't yeah. open up to you as much. They wouldn't. Right. Right. Yeah. The doctor's office. Yeah. Men exactly. can't even tell when their wives got haircuts. Never mind. Notice. Yeah. A Harley Davidson poster yeah. on the wall. They're not. <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about it before, but I know for y'all and your providers having real relationships with all of your patients is really important. What do you feel like allows y'all to have those relationships. Cause you know, like you said, first visit, it is Mm -hmm. kind of hard to get someone to open up when they're maybe used to seven minutes with their provider. Let me just answer the questions, but y'all are really trying to elevate from that and really know the person as a whole, what helps you be able to do that? Yeah. So coming from healthcare, I knew what good time slots for appointments would be. So even though it's probably not as financially lucrative, we do not double book our new patients. We barely book any, double book any yeah. patients, to be honest with you. Um, but our new patient visits, they're not double booked. And they're actually in a 45 minute time slot, which gives the patient time to do paperwork. And then at least a good 20 minutes face to face with the provider for that first visit. Um, 99 to 100% of our first visits, we do a full checkup on the patient to really get their health history, their family history, Are they up to date on their routine care? What specific things are bothering them that they want to discuss today and do a full blood panel? So that first visit, we really, it's a lot of fact um, gathering and really getting to know the patient by asking all those questions and hearing their stories about their health care. 
Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add on that? <laughs> I think too, like when we interview to, to fill a position, be it a front desk position, a medical assistant or, or a provider position, we really try to get to know the person that we're interviewing because we're, we're building a team, but we like to think of our team more as our family. We want whoever we hire at the practice to retire at the practice. And, you know, we've just recently started um, hiring nursing um, students for the front desk Mm -hmm. and offering them a progression plan that, hey, when you get into this, you know, set point within your schooling, we can have you come back and be a medical assistant If you get an LPN license, we're hoping to grow to that point that we'll have an opening for you at that point in time. And then there's also a possibility that you could become employed here. And also we're taking in um, PA students and NP students when they have to do their rotation. So they'll come in for their family rotation, you know, just love the office environment so much and the next thing we know, they're back for their pediatric rotation. So we started at the beginning looking for that person who's not, who's not, who's highly educated, who can carry on a conversation, who is non-judgmental. You know, um, we've, we all have family problems and whatever, and we all want everybody to be comfortable talking about any symptoms they may have or issues that they're dealing with within their their family or even work we hear a lot of work issues too so So but it it, yeah and it's lit and then the providers listen but they truly care they're not asking because it's a robotic question they're asking because they really care which is something that's very unique they're not they're not in the exam room doing the exam thinking geez i got doc i got mr joe next door i got to get to mr joe they're afforded that time to to take the visit to that level which is good. So a lot of like the, the communication skills, like the intangibles, the soft skills that like, you don't necessarily learn in school. You just, you you have them from life experiences and having students and having like those students start front desk and then go from there. It really allows them to be a part of your culture and understand what, what care you're trying to provide and and what you're all about. Yeah. Amanda always says we need to have staff that, uh, quote unquote, drinks the Kool-Aid. You do. I mean, you need people that are that are on board for your vision and your mission and that aren't just trying to check a box, but they want to grow with you and they're passionate about it. Right. And and it's worked out well. I mean, we've had considerable growth and uh, most of our people have been there during that growth period. And growth comes in many different ways. It's, it's just not just hiring a new provider. It's having new technology for the, for the medical assistants to use. Oh, it's to have a cleaning crew start cleaning your practice instead of all of us every night. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's now having a new phone system so that we can manage telephone calls. They were so excited about that phone. You would have thought it was Christmas yeah. when we put phones on their desk. Yeah. So they came to me later. I love the phone. Yeah. How do I work this? And, you oh, know, yeah. so it's, it's things like that. And they get excited about that. And, and we tell them, you know, the better we do, the better that 
you will too, because we're very giving people and, you know, we, we really respect our employees to the point that we want them to be comfortable with anything that they, any issues that they have, that they can bring those to us. Um, we've had employees who've actually had to take short leaves of absence and we have, you know, of course your job will be here when you come back, your hours will be here or we'll have students that come in and say, hey, I, I got added a, a class to my schedule. So we adjust to that. So as we give in a lot of little ways that I think the bigger companies don't, you know, our employees are just not an employee. They're an integral part of our success. So. Well, and they're not easily replaceable, like finding no. someone that's a culture fit that that you trust. It's not, like you said, it's not just like, oh, you know, we're hiring again for anyone. And I think the care that you have for your patients and your community, like that starts within and that starts in your team and that just spreads. And Mm -hmm. that's why it seems like you're, you're growing so much. Right. And so many of these new people that are moving here are seeking out or starting to, I think people are starting to seek out, you know, like I said, like longer than seven minutes, having a relationship, yeah. feeling like their doctor is knowing them and addressing their, their full mm-hmm. health. Yeah, absolutely. Why do y'all feel like relationships within your practice and your patients are so important? I think they lead to better health outcomes. If you're able to be comfortable enough to express your concerns to your provider and not hold anything back, then the provider can really get down to the root of the problem the worst thing is when you can tell a patient's holding something back, a part of the puzzle that they don't want to tell you because they're embarrassed about or ashamed about, but you need to know that part of the puzzle to mm-hmm. help diagnose them and treat them. So I think it does lead to better health outcomes and of course, higher patient satisfaction, which plays into health outcomes as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. You want to feel like your doctor knows you and like mm-hmm. understands and like how often do you get to sit down with someone who is so highly educated and talk to them and just have them listen to your story? Yeah, right. Exactly. And then pick their brain about what they think about your condition mm-hmm. and what can be done. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for me, you know, where I'm not on the clinical side, there's nothing I love better to say, hear patients say, Oh my God, I love you guys. There was a gentleman in last week and I hear him say to the phlebotomist, can I give you a big hug? The phlebotomist? Yeah, yeah. she says, of course you can. And then he comes over and he hugged one of the medical assistants and then his provider, Katie. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to say. That is, that's beautiful, you know, and that's, that just goes to show whatever it is we're doing is working because he's, He's got underlying medical conditions. He's facing some, you know, you know, he doesn't have a good health history yet. We're making him feel comfortable. He's happy and he feels at home. And that goes a long, long way. Yeah, I totally agree. I think when you don't know someone and they just start telling you what you should do for your health or, or what's wrong Mm -hmm. with your health, it's like, I'm going to put up a wall because I don't know you and I don't trust you, but having that foundation of a relationship, it's just like you two, when you care about each other and you have that like foundation, you can be honest with each other and you can also challenge each other. Yeah. And it's seen as, Mm -hmm. and it's known as because you care, because you love each other, not just because you're, you're telling someone that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And none of us, 
gaslight our patients or anything like that. I'm constantly checking in with the parent as I'm outlining a plan. Like I always end with, are you comfortable with this plan? Like I can rattle things off until I'm blue in the face, but if you're not comfortable with the treatment plan for yourself or your child, you're going to leave the office, throw everything away and Mm -hmm. forget everything I said, and then not follow the treatment plan. So I know that I personally constantly check in with the patients and the parents. Does this plan address your concerns? Are you comfortable with this? And then certainly if you're not, let's discuss an alternative plan then that fits your needs. Do y'all feel like the way your practice is set up and the way that you treat, is that common within our healthcare system today? I don't think so. I definitely hear of a lot of um, patients getting gaslit and providers just unrolling a plan and walking out of the room without allowing you to ask questions or challenge them. So I'd like to think it's, it is definitely different, but you might know better at being a patient yourself. Do you feel like? I feel like, you know, because of the extended time time of the appointments that they can get into more and really get down to the nitty gritty of what's going on. So I think that because our our um, providers really get to know that patient, really knows the, the, the patient's family at times, like they, they can almost detect when something's going on. Like, so, all right. So, and they'll, they'll recap things. So at your last visit, you said this. And so how is that going? So they're going over things. So if the patient come is coming in for a sore throat and, and the provider, they always see the same provider at our office. We try our best. Yeah. With the exception if their provider's not, not available and they're sick and they need to come in, we'll set them up with another pr- provider. And we also like to have them see other provider if they're on a controlled substance, just so they can get their medication when needed. But so because they primarily see their own provider, they have that comfort level. She goes, you know, the patient comes in for the sore throat. She's also saying, all right, so let's see, how's your diabetes going? How's your hypertension going? How's this going? So it's not, she's just not addressing the sore throat. She's in there making sure that overall his care plan is where it needs to be. So this, like this quality of care, this amount of time that you see with your patients, it is rare. Why is it so rare? I think from a healthcare finance standpoint, a lot of primary care practices, staff, physicians, and the reimbursement rate for a nurse practitioner and a physician is pretty much the same. So if you think about it financially, if you're if you're paying a physician double the amount of a nurse practitioner to get your return on that physician, they have to see double the amount of the patients. So as nurse practitioners with lower salaries, we are afforded more time with our patients because of the healthcare financing. Should healthcare finance dictate everything? No, I hate that I even have to say that that's the reason that mm-hmm. nurse practitioners can spend more time with their patients, but that's definitely one of the reasons. And then also our training, we're trained in looking at things holistically. So that just tends to lead to why we spend more time with our patients. I think. Yeah. And I think we stay spent, we're able to spend more time with patients as well, because we do not double book our patients. Uh, so like if we have a new patient uh, on the schedule and he's got a 45 minute um, vis- um, visit, and he doesn't show up, that's lost revenue to our practice. 
So it's common in medical in the industry to double, if not triple book that just so that you have that so revenue coming offset in. the no show rate. But at the same time, you put pressure on to your providers. So now instead of seeing one patient in the 45 minutes, he now has two or three if they all show up. So they're always running late and they're rushed. So it's almost like chasing the ball all day long. And then at the end of the day, that's when they get time to sit down and figure out, okay, what is this best treatment for this patient? Because they spend so much time running about. And that's not the case at our practice. You know, at our practice, the patient is seen timely. The provider finishes the visit timely. It may go over a few minutes, but at that same time, sends the prescriptions, sends any referrals, and and has really gone over a treatment plan with the patient. So it's well, a, it's just a totally different way of looking at things. We're not looking at it from a revenue perspective. Should we be? Probably. Maybe we're fools. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but we just don't think it's right in this. You know, we, we're very respectful of our patient's time and we expect that from them as well with us. Yeah. And like setting, setting that standard and also having relationships, you probably don't have a lot of people who don't show up. Yeah, it seems to go on on <laughs> sprees. Like, well, if, and, and what we consider when they don't show up, yeah, that's that's irritating to us because we actually, you know, go out of our ways to remind the patients of the appointments, make sure the appointments at a good time. Call us, reschedule. Just don't not show up because mm-hmm. as we go through this growth, what happens because we don't double book. We have a waiting list of patients who need to come in for be it a sick visit or established care and not calling us to let us know you can't make it, not allowing us to help another community member. Mm-hmm. So that that's bothersome to us. Yeah, definitely. So we talk mm-hmm. about, you talked about growth a little bit, but I want to know, like, since you started, how has Seaside grown? And also how have y'all, y'all, how have y'all changed in the last few years? So we've, we've grown a lot. We started with zero patients because myself and the other nurse practitioner who was working with us when we started, we both came from the community health center about what Orangeburg's close to an hour away. None of those patients followed us. So we started on day one with zero patients. We opened on a Saturday of Labor Day weekend, 2018, and we were so excited to have two patients on the schedule. We were never so excited, and only one of them came. (laughs) But we were still, still, they got the most attention any patient. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So from there, you know, it just kind of grew and grew and grew. The first month, we had like 25 patients. Then it yeah. snowballed into 64 the next month. And now we have, you know, 30 or so 30 to 40 a day, which is what we used to see in a yeah. month back when we started yeah. to the point where it used to be anytime the phone rang, we would get so excited. Yeah. Who's calling? Who's calling? Yeah. Someone found us. Now I hear the phone and I'm like, can someone put that on mute? It doesn't stop <laughs> yeah. ringing. So, yeah. So when we first started, we had hired one family nurse practitioner, but we didn't have any ancillary staff. So I was the front desk. Amanda was the medical assistant. Mm -hmm. And then that's that I, you know, I'd be at the front desk and I'm like, 
I got to do um, payroll or I got to get these insurance policies in line or whatnot. And Amanda's medical assistant thinking, oh, I got to get with with Vascare and make sure we order our vaccines. And, you know, I have to do an audit of this or that. So like we we were underutilizing our skills at, because for financial purposes, because we didn't have the monies to go out and hire. So what we did is we partnered with um, a couple of the community schools and, and we took their medical assistance um, to let them do their rotation at our practice. So now we had medical assistance. So that was our first little baby step in growth. And then from there, we ended up um, getting after about a year, a lab approached us to set up a, uh, a lab in our office. So we now had an internal lab. So, and then we just kept taking little baby steps and it's like, all right, we got to get somebody at the, a, a real, a medical assistant who, who knows and can direct some of the students. So then we hired a medical student and medical assistant. So we, everything was a slippery slope. It's like, you know, okay, we're going to extend this money. Hopefully I can make that payroll <laughs> you know, and whatnot. So we're very careful about our growth. It's very, it's planned out very well, especially when we bring on the nurse practitioners um, to full-time status, because we have to get them credentialed with all the insurance companies. And that's a struggle in a good environment. It is nearly impossible during COVID because mm -hmm. like every other industry, those people who do the credentialing, they're working from home now. They're going under se separate guidelines. They probably don't have the oversight that they need, you know, for their daily they work. They might be out sick themselves or taking care of um, yeah. teaching their children when yeah. they right. couldn't go to school. So that was such a rocky time when COVID was at its peak. You know, we're trying to get help to help the community, but we can't get anybody to work. And then we did get um, a, a two two nurse practitioners that said, hey, I'll come and work for you. You know, I know you need the help to manage COVID. And then the insurance companies wouldn't pay because they weren't credentialed with us. They were with other facilities, but not with ours. So uh, we would gave out a lot of free medical care over the years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because of insurance complications. That's probably yeah. been the most, one of the most frustrating areas of, of being in the healthcare industry. And it wasn't specific to us. We know that um, other providers in our area and hospitals have the same issues that we did during that time. So yeah, just a lot yeah. of a red tape, right? But yeah, you tried. Yeah. You, you got through it. Yeah. And I believe, you know, and it's one of the only ways too that we got through it. And I'll, I'll throw this one out there was when it was COVID was at its peak. And supplies were limited, even latex gloves were limited, syringes, everything. Um, Blue Cross Blue Shield called one day and they said, um, you know, do you need any type of supplies for COVID? And I was like, yes, we need all the PPE, the, you know, um, everything. And they shipped us material um, for like three months. And had that not been because we were a small practice, Gloves were on um, back order at the, you know, the McKessons of the world, Medline of the world. We just couldn't get access to them because we were a small company or we had never ordered what we needed at, 
prior to COVID. We were trying to order different types of supplies and it's say, oh, you've never ordered that before. So we can't put any ration any to you. Mm. So had it not been for Blue Cross Blue Shield coming to our rescue at that time, um, we would have really struggled. So yeah. we're very appreciative to that. Like we're, we're very appreciative to all the community, um, uh, all the, the whole community, not just the, um, you know, the, the people in the community, but the industries in the community. Um, Trident Healthcare has helped us out a lot. They, every time hire a new specialist, they bring the specialists in and, you know, give them a tour of our office, introduce them to all our providers. They talk a little bit about their specialty and their care model. And um, then we, you know, if we feel they'd be a good fit for our referral base, we add them to our referral list. So it, that, that's been tremendously helpful to us as well. Yeah, that's huge. How mm-hmm. does someone start to be a new patient? What's that process like? So it's a very easy process. All they have to do is call the office to schedule or they can visit our website. Being a millennial, I don't like talking to people on the phone. In fact, when people call me, I'm, I always answer, is everything okay? Um, so <laughs> Why are you calling uh, me? I know. She calls me. I'm like, what happened? I'm just saying hi. I'm like, just text me. <laughs> yeah, text me. So um, with one of the, with all the EMRs, one of the functionalities I wanted was online appointment requests. So you can uh, request a new patient appointment online or call the office if you prefer to do it old school. And we don't require you to have your records at the time of the visit. Like I said, we do such a thorough first visit and gather your health history verbally that we don't need a copy of your records for that first visit. They're great to have and we'll have you sign a release at checkout, but we don't need it for the first visit. So that usually isn't a roadblock that they have. So, yeah, I think it's pretty easy Mm -hmm. to um, get a new patient visit. Yeah, very easy. Um, And one of our things, too, like as part of our, you know, when we talked about our business model was that we are not going to be booking new patient out six weeks. We're not, you know, we want the care to be accessible. So the minute we start to see that, hey, you know, Katie's our primary family nurse practitioner, that she's scheduling out two weeks, um, it's like we got to start looking to hire. Yeah. You know, or we, we have to start hours. Yeah. Time. Marceline's been really great with us because when we first, um, when she first came on board, it was only for Fridays. And then when she got in the office, she said, I just love working in this office. I'm going to, can I do some more days? And we were like, yeah, absolutely. So now we have her anywhere from one to three days a week mm-hmm. and her schedule's filling up. In fact, that's how Katie started. Katie, our primary nurse practitioner, used to only work one day a week. She was working at um, a OBGYN office in her, what she called her dream job because she loves women's health. And she wanted one day a week somewhere else to keep up her primary care skills. So she came to work for us and she found out that her dream job was really with us. And right around the time when she was thinking that we were looking to hire someone and we approached her and she's like, I never thought anyone could take me away from that other job, but I love the variety here. I love your management style. She drinks the Kool-Aid. So mm-hmm. uh, she's with 
with us now full time. Yeah. And so like for, for us, you know, one of the big um, competitive disadvantages that we had when we tried to hire Katie is we're not a big company. Um, you know, we're small. We couldn't afford big healthcare packages. Four we can't afford 1K matches. Like for the benefit area, it's, it's not, you know, it's not like walking into Trident Hospital and get a full vacation package and this and that. So we were very creative with the offer that we gave her. We um, we did a mimosa Sunday. Yeah, we had a mimosa writing Sunday. out her offer letter. <laughs> a mimosa Sunday. And it's like, all right, well, here's the salary. We can't afford the health care, but let's give her this much towards her health care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got to be go easy on the vacation because we need the accessibility for the patients. We can't have her out a lot. So let's do the two weeks vacation to start. And then we threw in um, two weekends, two weekends, right? Mm-hmm. Two weekends at a condo that I have up on the Isle of Palms a year. We joke it's the company condo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and along with that, it's the the daily goings on in the office, like the week of Christmas, everybody every day got a little Christmas gift on their desk, or, you know, maybe they get a little pie for Thanksgiving or something. It's those little things that matter to people and everybody who's worked in other, in another healthcare setting is so appreciative of the respect to their time that we give them and the little things that big companies don't do for staff anymore. Well, and like working for a big company, sure, you might have this and you might have these, these benefits, but like, what's your quality of life? And like, what is your job? Are you fulfilled? Do you feel like you have good patient outcomes? Yeah. Do you have a personal life? Like, are you close with your team? It's just like, how do you measure success? Because sometimes I see these, like I, some of my friends, you know, getting job offers and these big benefit packages Mm -hmm. and it almost like raises an alarm. It's like, or like this big, you know, this salary, but you're not just working 40 hours. You're working whenever they want. You're working, you're doing three Mm -hmm. jobs. And like, I think people are starting to understand, especially like after COVID and just like, you know, being a millennial in our generation that yeah. we want more than let me work to death for 40 years and then retire. Like we want right. quality. We want to yeah. feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. We want all these, you know, I want to stay at your condo. Like that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I love that yes. got creative. Cause I think that there is a shift in the, the job industry that does allow you to get creative. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And most of our, you know, like Katie herself and a lot of the other providers came from the environment, like you said, they work, work, worked, like practically jogged all day and then had to do another two hours of work after hours before they went home, calling in scripts or doing referrals, whatever. But with our time schedules that that allows that patient to be seen, referrals are done, scripts are sent. And the, pay, the providers got everything fresh in their mind and they're not going saying, was that Mr. Joe or Mr. Tom that had the ingrown toenail? <laughs> you know, <laughs> say no. And they're able to get their work done before they leave. Like, I don't like when they bring their computers home with them. We don't yeah. usually let them, not because we're bossy, but like when you're home, you're home. You shouldn't be working. One of them, she sent me a message while she was on vacation. She's like, I can't get into the EMR. 
And I said, you're on vacation. Why are you trying to get in there? You're lucky I didn't lock you out. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of here. Someone else is covering your stuff. Go enjoy your vacation. Donna and I constantly have our computers with yeah. us because we own the place. And yeah. I, I never get a, we never get a moment off. But yeah. that's so that our staff can. Yeah. I, it sounds just like when I was on rotations, my clinical instructors would take their computers home to finish their notes and to prepare yeah. for the next day because they didn't have any time during the day. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. how many hours are you spending working for someone else or this, you know, really high up corporate CEO that Mm -hmm. doesn't know you and does not care about you at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons too, that we wanted to be our, you know, do our own thing is because we had both worked in those types of industries and it's like, I'm working so hard and I'm not getting a reward. And now for the last, you know, four, four years now, Amanda and I have been working, but neither one of us takes a salary. So um, at this point, so everything we get goes right back into the business. So it, it's been tough that way, like financially for us, but also very taxing emotionally because this is our baby. And if somebody's not happy, we want to know. What happened? Why weren't you happy? What happened during your visit? Let's talk about it. And and then the next step is, okay, we never want that to happen again. What do we have to do to prevent that? So we're very forward thinking like that. We just want, we're really too much down in the weeds, basically. But um, one thing we, (laughs) yeah, one thing we have done recently is we were working the hours, both of us from, you know, eight, eight 30 in the morning till eight or seven in the evening. And we were getting burnt out. So we, Amanda's not a morning person. I'm more a morning person. So I go and I open the office and I leave, you know, anytime between one and three, I'll leave. Like we say I leave after lunch, but sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't, sometimes I leave earlier. So it's great now that just in your mindset, knowing that you can go home, it, mm-hmm. it means a lot. And Amanda wakes up and she's still on her computer, but she doesn't have that stress that I got to get to that office. I have to do this. So she's working. I'm working after my hours. So, but we're in our own homes doing so. So, which allows us the quiet time we need to actually think and be creative about how we're going to move this company forward. So. Ultimately, taking care of yourself allows you to take better care of your patients and take better care of your business. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people forget that. A lot of people think I just need to produce. I just need to work 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. But then like you said, you get burnt out. You lose your passion for it. And Mm -hmm. then you have to go spend a couple weekends at Donna's condo. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) If it's not booked. Yeah. I got to quit. I'm going to put that in our, in I our, um, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever Y'all stayed to, more than a night. Y'all need yeah. to block it off. I know. I know. Reward yourselves. I, I guess know. so. <laughs> Last question. What do you wish more people knew or understood about seaside family medicine? That's a hard one. That's like a job interview question. Yeah. <laughs> what are your I'm actually hiring y'all. So yeah, I know. <laughs> job interview. Hmm. I think they, I wish people all knew how compassionate our team is 
and how willing our team is to go above and beyond to, pro to provide the most high quality healthcare that they can. Um, the extra measures that we take so that that can be done, um, such as we continuously have um, drug reps or equipment reps coming in and educating the staff on new, um, new medications, new, new um, procedures that are now available. Um, and, it, you know, so they're constantly improving what they know of. And also on the compassion side, how we've actually gone out and vetted the professionals that we refer to. So we, if we send a patient to a, a, a specialist office and our patient comes back and says, you know what, I felt so uncomfortable there. They, that the front desk did this or the medical assistant, I couldn't believe what she said to me, whatever it be, well, she had a bad experience. So we will not be sending patients to that specialist office any longer. So um, yeah, there's really a lot of extra things. Yeah, that we, we take we do the feedback from the patients. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ultimately, again, it sounds like everything is about the patient. Yeah. And I think and I tell that to the staff when they a lot, I say, you know, if I see the staff, like, of course, like, you know, on the phone a lot or this and that, or I hear them talking to the, the patient, well, my uncle or my aunt, and I always say to them, you know what, this is the patient's visit. And when the patient's here, it's all about the patient. It's about the patient's experience, their comfort level, the high quality of care that they get, the comfort they have from their provider. And we, and that they walk out the door with a warm and fuzzy, I'm going to be okay. You know? Um, so that's, that's what I wish everybody knew that like, it just, it just, the care doesn't start at with the provider. It ends at the provider. The care stops the minute they walk in the door. Or yeah. when they call to make yeah. the appointment. Right. The consideration, like I said, with the online scheduling, mm -hmm. the fact that there isn't a super long wait time, all of that's intentional in things we do on the back end to facilitate mm -hmm. all of that that they don't even know about. Yeah. yeah. The full experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, another thing that a lot of our patients don't know about is a lot of times we waive charging them for visits like maybe their insurance wasn't active that week but they've been coming to us for the last three years they insurance lapsed we went to bill it the claim was denied we absorb that cost we don't turn it over to the patient so we do a lot a lot like that maybe the insurance won't pay for one of their immunizations um, instead of going after the patient for that money we absorb that cost um, a good example of that is like for Medicaid patients, they're supposed to get immunizations at the, um, at where they go, Amanda, the um, health department, the, at the health department, it, but we give them the, at our office mm -hmm. uh, free of cost. Mm. So um, we do a lot of little things like that. We, we try to keep the financial burden off the patient. Um, it kind of kicked us in the butt a little bit our first year, our first year. Uh, I think we had accounts receivable of about $25,000. So yeah. we were like, okay, uh -oh. this, it, that was a result of Amanda and I not having the ancillary 
staff to support the operation. So instead mm. of, you know, filing claims timely or really coding timely, we were being the front desk or the medical assistant. So mm-hmm. thankfully we've gone past that, but we still try to protect the patient as much as possible from receiving a high bill from their insurance um, company. Just yeah. some of the joys of owning a small business, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. <laughs> Thank you all so much for talking with me on a Sunday. Hopefully it turns into a mimosa Sunday. Yeah, it probably oh, will. It probably will. It probably will. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> Thank you all so much and everyone thank you for listening. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, Thanks again.